How did you um, get into financial consulting? The Department of Labor statistics indicate it's one of the fastest growing professions. Okay. I like the balance of it. Plus, my dad was an accountant. You know, he had the whole shtick. The, like, dorky pocket protector and... I have a pocket protector. What's your last name? Rubenfeld. All right, so you may not need an accountant. All right, welcome to episode 31 of Not Another Accounting Podcast. NAP for short, because it's the only accounting podcast that won't put you right to sleep. Is that backwards? Maybe, but we don't care. Jesse, before we start, I have to say, huge news, 10 thousand downloads on our last episode i'm pumped this this show wow. is taking off dude um, and that was of episode 30 yes exactly Ten thousand downloads of episode 30 yeah so okay. why don't you ask me how we did it yeah how did we how did we possibly get ten thousand downloads of episode 30 great question jesse and for all you want to be podcasters out there this is how you do it folks you ask people to ask you the questions that you want to answer so yeah jesse i would say um the number one thing to be a successful content creator on the internet today is just to embellish everything like that just seems to be what works you basically just need to throw out fake stats to get people to listen to you and then use ai recycled content and throw that in their face over and over so like i'll let the audience in on a little secret i base my entire philosophy for podcasting off of two great philosophers trey parker and matt stone and there's three simple steps to 10x your content game right so step one Use totally embellished stats and recycled AI-generated content to build the following. Step two. And step three, Jesse, you know the answer. Make profit. Profit, baby. Profit, baby. <laughs> it's that simple. It's that simple. So anyone, for those new to the show, I'm your host, Tom Zahetner. I am a recovering CPA. It's been five years since my last journal entry. Hello, Tom. We also have Jesse Rubenfeld, our founder and CEO, and my boss. You might fire me after we release this episode. So... For those of you that don't know, we do three segments on this show. Jesse and I have each prepared a secret segment that we will reveal now. And we also have one planned segment. So, Jesse, my secret segment is rapid fire around the horn questions for you. Our plan, our plan topic is RPA versus API. You definitely want to listen to that. That's actual, real, valuable content. And then, Jesse, what's your topic? It's called You Gotta Respect the Accountant. Respect the Accountant. I love it. All right, cool. So let's get into it. Segment one, around the horn. Are you ready, Jesse? Go. Rapid fire questions for you. All right. So imposter syndrome. If you had to have someone stand in for you, pretend to be you, kind of like a Mrs. Doubtfire scenario, right? You can't go to work. You need someone to fake it. Who would you pick? Who would have the best chance of being a fake Jesse? And how long do you think they would last? Tom Hardy, two Tom weeks. Ha Tom Hardy? Hey, you said rapid fire. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, if you sold Finoptimal for a billion dollars tomorrow, what would you do after? I would make music. I would write music and produce music and distribute it to all two or three people who would listen. I love and that's it. it. I can't get over the Tom Hardy, like Tom Hardy just trying to answer, like Tom Hardy trying to troubleshoot error tickets. I really loved the movie Inception and I loved his role in it. And so that's what came to <laughs> I'm thinking of him like in a Bane voice trying to like be on call. Like, oh, this is Jesse. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, the British accent too, you know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's the man. All right. So number three, if we had to create a company holiday to celebrate Phenomenal, how would you want people to celebrate? Oh, I would want a shot glass with abacus, with an abacus painted on it. <clears throat> what does the abacus have to do with it? Just to take a shot with bean, some numbers? Bean, bean counting. Bean counting. It, it, it all comes back at the end of the day to bean counting. All right. Or just a shot of anything? Wait, do I get a second chance at that answer? No, yeah, no, I'm sticking by it. I'm sticking right. by it. Shot it. glass with an abacus on it. Shot. That's how we celebrate how the holiday. Yeah. yeah, no gifts. Shots. No day off of work. Everybody comes That's in. Right. They have a shot glass with an abacus on That's it. Right. No choice of liquor or whatever's right. in the cabinet. Close the books and celebrate. Get back to work. And Close back the to books work, and baby. take a shot. I love That's it. right. All right. Why is uh? All right, this is a great question. Why is New York better than Houston? Pass. <laughs> All right, here's a real question. What is it? Not that these aren't all real questions. When is it okay, if ever, to curse around a client? When you see their books and you say, you guys had a damn good quarter. All right, fair. Mine is, like, I usually wait for someone to do it first, you know? Like, if if a client gets on yes. a call and they're like, my books They break the just, seal. They break the seal. If they're like, my yes. books are just complete shit, I'd be like, great, all yeah. right. That also yeah. makes me like them more, but that's because I have a potty mouth. <laughs> um, if you had to rename Phenomenal, what would you call it? I would call it Phenomenal. Phenomenal? I, I did try to call it Phenomenal, but it's taken by a charter boat company in Florida. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Would you you try to use like the nominal like to play on? Like... I would maybe, maybe, but the fin is what I was going. The fin. Yeah, I don't know. I like Optimal. I like the name because FinOp, my last role at yeah. D.E. Shaw, was a FinOp. I started as a FinOp associate. So, okay, FinOptimal. Um, but Phenomenal was a name that I, I really liked. I like it, too. I, I thought Better Ledger could be good, too, because it just kind of sure. rolls off. Um, so I actually had, I reached out to some of our, you know, downloaders. We have thousands and thousands and they wrote in suggestions for this one. So let me just pull them okay. up real quick. Okay. Yeah. Do tell. Do tell. Yeah. Okay. So Deb in Idaho wrote fart optimal, which is, <laughs> which is not funny. I don't think that's funny. Deb, that's not funny. Let's get, I have another one. Hold on. Brian in Austin. Oh God. He also wrote fart optimal. Like <laughs> this is not. Oh man. This Did is we not miss funny. something? I think, guys, Brian, Deb, it's not funny. That's not funny, guys. Seriously, <laughs> knock it off. This is a serious podcast about accounting. All right, last question. If accounting, if uh, if accounting had a, ma a mascot, not Phenoptimal, what do you think it would be? I'm sorry, I'm stuck on Fart Optimal. Like, I'm thinking maybe if I were seven or eight years old, I would have been, maybe the people who wrote in to say that, They're, maybe our audience has expanded more than you think. I, I you know what? People, they, they sometimes they get stunted. That's like the Anchorman, uh, people who just watched Anchorman 50 times. They must be those yeah. writing in. I don't think. Yeah. I'm going to block them from writing in in the future because, guys, that's not funny. Don't do that. Seriously, knock it off. I'm, I'm in a off. glass case of methane. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> guys, knock it off. <laughs> um, all right. So if accounting had an official mascot, what do you think it would be and why? Oh, official mascot. Yeah. A Martian. A Martian going to Mars is cool right now. And we, and our flag looks like it's, Hey, we're going where no accountants have gone before. And we're staking our claim 
to Mars, the Mars of Finoff. Got it. All right. Hold on. Hold on. I like that for Finoptimal. I was thinking okay. accounting though. Accounting as a oh, whole. Oh, for accounting. The, the accounting as a whole. Maybe just a shot glass with an abacus on it. No, I can beat it. I can beat that. <laughs> Instead of, okay. So as for, for accountants as a whole. Oh, yeah. How about, um, how about. I have to beat this. Okay. A shot glass that says far on it. F-A-R. Far? Okay. Because you're going. That's not a, that's not a mascot. You're going that's not far. a mascot. That's terrible. <laughs> All right. We'll and, come and back to this one optimal. next week. Yeah. yeah fart okay. optimal threw right. you off. It just that completely ruined it. Yeah. 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 I'm stuck God. on that one. God. I'm thinking we should get the trademark just in case we decide to go with that. Let's. Yeah. That could be like an April Fool's Day skin for our, yeah. for a crewer. Yeah. Like on, oh, when you log into a crewer on April 1st, yeah. you're like, what the hell? Yes. I love it. All right, cool. All right, that's our first segment, Around the Horn, Rapid Fire. Not so rapid. We got a couple jokes that I don't think are funny. Devin Bryan, seriously, knock it off. And we got a couple (laughs) shot glasses. (laughs) We got multiple shot glass answers, which is great. So moving on, segment two, RPA versus API. Jesse, I'll kind of tee this one up for you, but this one actually like really does um, hit home for me. So I feel like every time I talk to someone who's maybe interested in automation, right, or they've been exposed to automation, they'll say something like, oh, yeah, like I've heard of bots before, right? But like, I, I think bots almost has a negative connotation sometimes, right? So like, when I think about it, and of course, chime in here, RPA, robotics process automation, like that's what I think of when I think of a bot. And then the API or application programming interface is really more of like a data integration or like an ETL, right? Like extract, transfer, and load. So like when we think of bots, RPA bots, I think people default to that because it's easier to program, right? There's a lot of lower code tools out there. That's honestly like how I did a lot of the automation stuff that I ever did. And like for those of you that aren't familiar with it, you can think of RPA as literally a robot that you're training to just do what you do, right? Like clicking, downloading, scrolling, interacting with the interface or the website or the system the same exact way that you do, right? And there's a lot of challenges to that, right? Like like anchoring, for example, like that means like, hey, like where should the bot even look to click, right? And like, is it looking for text? If so, where is that text located? Is it written multiple times? Is it a button? Does that button go away when you change the size of the screen? Like these are all things that people need to be thinking about when they're talking about RPA. Um, you know, if you're using RPA for QuickBooks and QuickBooks changes, like what does it look like? Um, and then there's the API. And Jesse, like this is your domain. I know I've touted that you know the QuickBooks API better than anyone, and I stand by that. I will no sick Deb and Brian on them if anyone disagrees with me. But talk to me a little bit about the API, and then I want to compare the two. But let's give the give the listeners a rundown. What does using the API for automation even mean? Using the API for automation means getting the data, the raw accounting data from QuickBooks in its most basic form, meaning I can construct tables. I effectively have a spreadsheet of all of the activity in QuickBooks at my fingertips. And any accountant who's watching this will understand that means, okay, if I have a spreadsheet, that's fundamentally different than having, let's say, a PDF of the entire GL. Right. If I have a spreadsheet, go ahead. Yeah, like, but... So one, it doesn't only have to be QuickBooks. We're obviously talking about QuickBooks because we love QuickBooks. 
And when you're talking about a spreadsheet, like just to be super clear for the users, like we're not actually, in this case, we're not always interacting directly with the spreadsheet at first, right? We're talking about a table of data that's floating in the cloud or wherever imaginary place you can imagine computers storing information, right? Totally. Cool. I want to break that down for them. So yeah, like conceptually, I can understand how that's a leap. Yeah. Um, But the, the, the idea that the spreadsheet is sort of the fundamental financial user interface of the world right i'm hoping makes the concept the concept accessible right if you can whenever you're using some third party service as part of your job and you want you have to do something with it to book an entry and you don't know how to write code the first thing you say is can it export to excel right right can i right. get the raw data in its in its rawest most tabular form so that i can then do something creative something transformative to, to come up with the entries and have the have the easiest road and the most flexibility. Right. That is like having AP, if you can write code, sure. you get that kind of access and then you can transform the data and push it back into QuickBooks in arbitrary, exciting ways. But you can approximate that. And I did approximate that at the beginning of my career before I was writing code with this stuff by building elaborate spreadsheets that had crazy offset indirect formulas in there to transform from the raw source into what I wanted to ultimately get into the general ledger. Right. So like when you think about it, almost using the API, you're in a way using a not spreadsheet, using a table, right? Spreadsheets are just tables. And by kind of eliminating the spreadsheet, you're eliminating like one place of a potential breakdown, right? Like when you're doing it all like in Python with your code, right? So when we, when, when people think about like, Hey, is this, is this safe, right? Or if QuickBooks changes, is something going to break? Like the API is going to prevent you from a lot of those breakdowns, right? Absolutely. Because Intuit built the API with the intent of making it available to third-party developers like FinOptimal. They wanted to become a platform. This was a brilliant strategic move. They made their API free to developers, which is not something that you take for granted. Not all APIs are free, but they want us to be able to pull that data and do creative, interesting things with it. Right. So they're very careful about making changes. You talked about changing the website. They change the website all the time, but they don't change the API without notifying you way in advance. And into its case, years in advance. I remember when they upgraded to OAuth 2, they gave you like 18 months of runway because they want us to do creative things with that data. Right. Uh, you know, I almost, I'm thinking of this now, like, you know, when you're using QuickBooks, when a person's out there using QuickBooks, they're clicking different buttons, they're typing information in, all of those steps are actually affecting those tables that QuickBooks has in the background. And then what we're doing is just going in and pulling out the data in those tables putting them to our own tables, doing whatever we want with them, and then putting them back out somewhere else, right? Extract, transfer, and load. So like when people think about like, well, I'll give an example, right? Hey, I run the same report five times. I run, sorry, I run the same five reports every day. And then I do some sort of spreadsheet gymnastics and I prepare one report and then I send that to somebody else, right? If you were to use RPA to solve that, what would you do? You probably go through map out each particular step. I mean, the sign-in is going to give you fits because if there's something like there's two-factor, good luck with that, right? But anyway, you're going to go through it. You're going to map out every single click and every single scroll. 
And, you know, if you don't really know what you're doing, you're going to say, I have to run it on this same screen every day. If I run it on just my laptop, it's going to break. But if I put it on my big monitor, the buttons are in the same spot. So it'll work. Right. But you could probably do someone that's smart and like can think at a very granular step-by-step level can absolutely do that. Might be a little flimsy, probably faster than coding. It's up to you to make that trade-off. It's not going to be as powerful. It'll probably save you time. Whereas if you were going to do something like that with the API, Jesse, right, you're just going to go in and say, give me these five tables, do the transformation of those five different reports, those five different report tables, and then boom, give me the answer automatically on a timer. You don't have to worry about things clicking. You don't have to worry about browsers lagging out and stuff like that, right? Does that kind of make sense? Is that how you, how you would think about it? Yeah, I think it's a good, I, I think a lot of what we have to keep in mind is that when you're interacting with QuickBooks as a user on the web, you're dealing with a user interface that is right. a layer of non-accounting stuff on top of the accounting data, not to go down too deep in the rabbit hole, but when you're using the web interface of QuickBooks Online and you click a button, that is in fact making an API call the same right. way our code is making an API call. But if you take the RPA route, what in the beginning of my career was known as scraping, sure. and if you write a robot to just try to interact with the HTML, right? Yep. You are now having to work with not just the accounting data itself, but also the user interface, which as you pointed out, can change. Yep. There can be all sorts of problems like 2FA. If I get a code, how do I deal with that? Where do I field the code from? So you're, you're, you're having to ju- jump through hoops to get to the data rather than just go straight there. Yep. And in my day, recording a macro, how would I do it? I would record a macro in Excel sure. and then maybe go in and, and modify the VBA to tweak the specifics, maybe make it a little more robust. But it's it's brittle for reasons that are easy to understand. A lot of tools have that too. Like a lot of low code or even mid code, like RPA tools will just allow you, they'll, they'll literally mimic what you're doing on the screen and spit that out for you. And you can tweak it and go, great, this works. And like, it will work for a little while. And then it's one day it's not going to work or you're getting on vacation and, or you're going to change jobs and it's going to break for everybody else. So I, I think that's a really good point though, for any of the listeners, like when you're talking about automation, it's really important to understand what kind of automation you're doing. And over the next, you know, 31 episodes, we're already at 31. You guys, you know, you can go back in the backlog um, and download all the other 31 <laughs> episodes that we have, but we're going to tell anyone you're an accountant. Yeah, exactly. Starting from 31. Yeah, this is 31 is a, okay. a, good, a good number. Okay, 31. Yeah, yeah. We're, no, we're I, doing it in base 31. Exactly. Whatever yeah. whatever, whatever that means. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but I think it's really important. Like when you guys are looking at different automation solutions, like what is it? Is it a bot? Is it, are they using the API? Is it just workflow management, which we didn't cover today and we'll cover next time? Like those things are important to understand because not all automation is created equally, right? You can't put it all in the same box. And we're going to keep breaking down those walls because it's really, really important to understand what you're buying and how you're using it and where it's going to hold up and where it's going to break down. Um, so probably went a little long on that segment, Jesse, but let's go to segment three. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Was there a question there? Oh, okay. No, the segment's concluded. No, no, that Got was it. me I caught up. wrapping the segment. Good, uh, good wrap. It's a wrap. All right. Segment three, respecting the accountant. Um, so Jesse, I think you said you were going to start off by singing Aretha Franklin and then you'll get into it or (laughs) no, I was actually thinking of the Adam Sandler, the Nikki, I think it's Nikki DeCesare. I don't, this, you're probably too young for this. He made it little Nikki, little Uh, Nikki DeCesare. 
That's the only, that's like one of the only ones I haven't seen because it's so weird. Like I'm a big Sandler guy. I don't think there's a C. I think it's just a here. It's just a here. He made a CD in, I want to say the early nineties. And one of the bits was respect. Like you got to have, I won't ruin it for you. Maybe we can put a link in the show notes. Yeah. But like. It's a great, it's a well, great Well, he made movie. Little Nicky the movie, you know, that movie, right? No. I oh, don't there's a movie that. called Little Nicky. I think it's and, like and the now, son of the And now devil the whole world knows that I don't know that. Okay, yeah, it's probably the same Little Nicky. It, well, he's probably a character. Sandler's the best. Yeah. His Netflix special is fantastic. Everyone should watch it. Um, totally. This is just going to be coming out of a Sandler podcast, maybe. Um, I love it. Now I'm right. going to go look for a Little Nicky, but you have to go look for the, it's a great, it's a great bit. All right. Um, But you know, in my jobs, it, you know, for the first 15 years of my career, there were times when I was asked to do things, sometimes by more senior accounting or finance professionals, and sometimes by general management speaking to the finance department, which I would have been leading at the time. And they would ask for reporting, or they would ask for detail. that was obviously unnecessary and basically icing on the cake, but represented a ton of additional lift on the part of the FinOp team, on the part yeah. of the accountant. If I was lucky, I could delegate it. But even when I was delegating it, I knew, oh my God, like to have to tweak this PowerPoint presentation so the tick marks are here instead of, you know, and that this lines up that way. And then if I change the data, that resets the chart. And then I've got to go back and make those modifications again. And, and, And I found myself saying, hey, maybe I'm just a bean counter here, but yeah. I, I deserve some respect. Like, can you just think about what it's like to do? Like, do you really need this? No. Um, that's, that's the point right there. Do you even need, like, that is, I think one, a turning point in my career. Um, obviously I, I have a CPA, I was an auditor, right? So all the accounting related work was either in an automation or an accounting related space or an audit related space. But like asking why, if you ask somebody why, you might see them like just totally go blank. Like people don't even know why they're asking people for stuff. Like it's it's so true. Um, I've had auditors be like, you need to do that. And I go, why? Like, what's the risk? And they're like, yeah, you're right. You don't need to do that. Like, so like people just, <laughs> there's no, it's not even respect. It's just like, ah, someone told me to do it. So I'm just going to do it. Um, I don't know why it's, I mean, people, humans in general are like that, but such a weird thing in accounting. You know, I think it's, we've worked with a lot of clients, of course. Yeah. I think clients that are thoughtful about what kind of data they're asking, it's a very common for us to provide a dashboard that pulls data from QuickBooks on a, you know, sort of more or less real-time basis Yeah, and presents it in a variety of ways. And it's possible to overload yourself with data where you can't find the signal versus the noise. Sure. For example, hey, give me the whole general ledger. We have 10,000 transactions a month. I want the dashboard to have the whole general. Why? That is not going to help you make decisions about how to improve your margins. Yeah. But when we have a client that's thoughtful about what they want to see and is responsive to feedback about this will be a heavy lift to implement for you, which means you're going to wind up paying more for it. Sure. Are you sure you want to, to use class? to use department, right. to use the customer dimension to represent this piece of information? Or are you really kind of just curious, but will never really use the insights that are actually going to cost you a ton of resources to implement, maintain, and troubleshoot? 100%. I think it's also, you know, I think you could be, it could, you could be petulant and just say why all the time. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying to do that. 
But sometimes it is about asking why and then saying, why do you care about this? You know, I think you care about that. But what about these other things? Doesn't that solve where you were going with it? And they may go, oh, yeah, you're right. Right. Sometimes you just need to zoom all the way out. And zoom all the way out. Like, you know, listen, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't just listen. You have to listen attentively. Like, what is really on, like, peel back that onion and understand, like, what are they even looking for in the first yes. place? Yeah, I'm reminded of the Mitch Hedberg skit, uh, skit, his little, his bit. He's one of my favorite comedians. He's great. Blessed memory. Um, he talks about the, the, the jar of jelly beans at the carnival where they say, okay, hey, if you can guess how many jelly beans are in this jar, you get, you win the jar. And he thinks, and he says, come on, man, let me just have some. <laughs> how about you guess how many i want <laughs> yeah he's so good let's That's zoom great. out and just yeah. how, why do you need to know how many why do you do really you need, need to know, know how many i'll be honest though i've had i've had people turn the tables on me like i when i was an auditor like Sox, say why not sarbanes oxley like there's so many things in there that are just complete overkill when you're a junior you just do what you're told i remember being oh. at a client and being like yeah you have to for every single document that you're putting into this report, you need to download, take a screenshot, save it, retain it, and review that the screenshot agrees to the input of the report. Like that's the only way that we're going to pass this control. And the guy looked at me and just goes, I've been doing this for 18 years. Why do I have to start doing it now? And at this point, I actually put in my two weeks for this particular job. And I looked at him and I said... <laughs> Dude, I don't know. That's actually, that's part of the reason why I quit. So I don't know, but you do have to do it. So please just do it. I don't know why you have to do it. Uh, there's a lot of dumb rules out there that even if you ask why, it's like, oh, it's just, that is the rule. Um, it's weird. Like, I feel like accounting's like, not to knock our accounts. It's like, sometimes it's like the worst parts of math and law, right? It's just like, hey, let's just take like algebra and then put like really annoying rules around it. Like that's all people say, oh, you're an accountant. You must be like some math wizards. Like, no, I just kind of know a couple rules that you don't and I can do algebra. Like that's it, right? Um, anyway, that's, that's sort of at the intersection of business and math. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. I have to say, I think in some cases, this is a mitigating factor to not respecting the accountant. When we've had clients that, it come across as rigid. No, I want it presented this way. I do need you to move heaven and earth for this. Right. In some cases, and this may have been how I came up with the idea for Finoptimal. I said, all right, they want it that way. I don't want to have to move heaven and earth every time I, sure. they ask for it. I know they right. will ask again. Let's see if I can come up with a way to more cleverly deliver this. Yeah. And then that became... Wrangler, gopher, balancer, accruer. How can I automate Fair. this? Yeah. So it's, there's a give and take. I guess um, that's a good point. Instead of asking why you can ask, how much will you pay me to do that? Right. That's, that's the other way to answer that question. Um, yeah. I think also sometimes like when you're dealing with a difficult client or person, right. Who says, no, I need it that way. Um, people are so resistant to change. Like in that example, right. The person he's been working there for 18 years, doesn't want to change what he's doing okay, fine. Like I, I do understand that they're probably, he did need to change certain things about what he was doing. So it's like, sometimes it's about finding that balance. Like, okay, fine. Like I will accommodate your process now, but can we agree that it needs to change at a certain period of time in the future 
right? Like, can we do this for the rest of 2023? And then totally. in 2024, we cut over. Like, yes. I think that's a, that's a fair compromise a lot of the time. I totally agree. When you validate, when you say, okay, yeah. I get it. It's not how I would do it, but I can, I can work with you on that. And then once you earn the trust, once you build the rapport, then maybe they're a little more willing because they've said, I want it this way and been told yes and not gotten it or just been told no so many times. They're right. immediately defended against anything other than, yes, I will make it that way with exactly those toppings and that chocolate fudge or whatever. Yeah. And then once you say, hey, you know, what about this approach? Once you've earned, so, you know, tolerance, everything in moderation. Agreed, agreed. Um, do you respect the accountant? 100%. What, I, what would fault. make you disrespect an accountant? If they took the CPA more than three times, and oh, pass. I'm almost oh. in the three. I was almost in the three ten club, so I was almost proud of that. Uh, you know what that the is? Three ten club. Yeah, three within ten months. No, your cumulative score under three hundred and ten points. So basically, finishing oh, doing the CPA by the skin of your teeth. Uh, okay. I was I was shooting for that. I I did too well on one of the tests. I think I was like three thirteen total. Um, what is the oh so the minimum is 300 well, so yeah, 300 to 310 okay 75 on each yeah okay oh wow right because then you study the optimal amount if you get a 400 exactly. you overstudied exactly yeah. you, if you give yeah. if you do well like you should i remember that. that taking the series seven i was told don't i was a trader for a little while don't overstudy yeah. for it if you get a 95 you're a chump yeah all right this was great good episode um you know who i know doesn't respect the accountant Deb and Brian, I'm serious. If you ever write an answer like that again, you guys are banned from the show. But thank you, everyone, for listening. I make fart noises with my mouth. There's my Anchorman reference for you. All right. We'll be back next week, month. We don't know, but you'll be there. This is NAP, not another accounting podcast. We'll, we'll be thank back next, next time for episode 310. Exactly. All right. Thank you all.